We're very glad to welcome Michael to preach to us this morning, and we look forward to hearing what he has to say about the ascension. May the words of my mouth, my meditations, of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O God, our strong rock and redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. It is an absolute joy and a pleasure to be here with you this morning, and thank you, Jean, for extending the invitation to preach. It is an honor. Today, we remember the ascension of Jesus. Today, already, we've heard the story twice from what tradition tells us is the same author, the author of the Gospel of Luke and of the Book of Acts. There are many interesting literary and structural features of these two stories that we could examine. For example, how does this rapture story, the story of someone getting raptured into heaven, differ from the Roman and Greek stories that we have? For example, we have Hercules who ascends on the impenetrable lion skin, or we have Romulus, the founder of Rome, who gets taken up. Or what are the connections between the similar stories in the Jude Jude Judaism? Tradition, tradition. In the Hebrew Bible, it's Enoch or Elijah, who, as we know, get taken up to be with God. We could explore the cosmology of the Hellenistic world, that which placed heaven as a very physical place above earth. Indeed, there are many questions that spring out from the texts. Many questions about what this story may have meant for the early disciples and what it may have meant for the Christians in the first centuries of the movement. And every one of these questions of meaning allows us to dance around and avoid perhaps the most important and the most uncomfortable question. Is the story true? Is the story true? It is most certainly offensive to our 21st century scientific sensibilities. If we're honest with ourselves, Many of us here can barely stomach the idea of Jesus dying and physically coming back from the dead and resurrection. And here we have the story of Jesus standing on earth and then beat me up Scotty, up to heaven he goes. It's a bit hard to swallow. Is the story true? My favorite poet, Christian Wyman, a good postmodern Anglican, talks about how poetry adds to the stock of our available reality. Poetry gives new grammar, new structure, new syntax, and new language to understand our surroundings. It gives us another lens and another perspective to more deeply and more richly inhabit our world. It is not only poetry that does this, but also embracing another culture and language. Today is the last day of New Zealand Sign Language Week. A week we honor the deaf community here across Aotearoa and the beautiful language that is in ZSL. A little bit about me, while in seminary, I also worked as an American Sign Language interpreter. And while they are two distinct and separate languages, NZSL and American Sign Language, or ASL, they do share some signs in common. One of which is this one. We learned this one already as Be With You, and it can also mean belong. Often it gets translated as connect, or relationship, or linked. But the meaning is deeper, more complex. As with many words, it is impossible to fully communicate the depth of the sign. Perhaps more accurately, 
it would be a word like intertwined, or to borrow theological terms, perichoresis, that word we use to describe the mystery of the movement that each member of the Trinity moves within each other. When we learn this song, we gain a new lens on our understanding of belonging, relationship, and connection. We've added to the stock of our available reality. And I think that's what theology does. It adds to the stock of our available reality. It takes our imagination and it stretches it. It takes our sense of self and enriches it. It takes our ideas about community, who's in and who's out, and transforms it. But here's the thing about Christian theology. It's not just a hopeful or loving lens through which to view the world. It's not just about providing some tools to support you in your journey towards well-being. And yes, it does and can do that. But that's not all it's about. It's about so much more. It's about transformation. It's about believing the impossible. And it's about witnessing the impossible. When we inhabit the stories of Scripture, when we accept that we are part of the same history as those in the book of Acts, and that God moves and acts in this story, our reality is enriched and transformed. My seminary professor, Beverly Gavinta, writes in her commentary on the scene of ascension. Here the apostles question Jesus, find their question rejected and then receive a promise about the Holy Spirit in their own will as Jesus' witnesses. Verses 9 to 11 repeat this pattern. As the apostles stare into heaven, as if asking when Jesus would return, find that question also rejected by the heavenly messengers, and then receive another promise about Jesus' eventual return. So we have these disciples, these ones that have been with Jesus for three years, the ones who still just don't seem to get it, they're asking, is this the time? Is this the time for the material, the earthly kingdom to come? And Jesus rejects that question, answering, my paraphrase, don't you get it? This is way bigger than any earthly power. This is bigger and categorically different from the physical and material forces and substances of this world. Almost a decade ago now, I was with my deaf friend, and I heard from our American Sign Language Club at a Jamaican boarding school and orphanage for the deaf. Jamaican Sign Language shares a good 90% of signs with ASL because of colonial missionary work in the 1970s. So we were there to financially support the school's mission, um, to encourage the social workers there, and to participate in the life of the community for the short week we shared. There is much to say about these kinds of so-called mission trips to developing countries. Suffice it to say, it was a learning experience for us all. Not just to see the beauty in another culture, but also to recognize the profound need for social and economic security for the vulnerable, and to recognize those colonial systems of support and development that perpetuate Western and ableist patterns of paternalism. That said, there was a girl there, not quite a teenager. As we sat in the hall on the Friday afternoon, 
the end of our trip. The staff told us that the girl had been dropped off years ago and hadn't seen her family since. While she did have a family, she stayed behind with those without for every weekend and holiday. The sad reality of things is that her family did not have the resources or feel like they had the resources to care for this girl. And this is the reality for thousands across the globe. Most of the other kids were being picked up and taken home while she sat playing a board game with one of the staff members. As it was getting dark, a car rolled into the parking lot and a woman got out. And the girl looked up out the window and her eyes lit up as she signed, It's my grandma. It's my grandma. I'm going home. And in that moment with the girl in her funnel, we saw this. I tell the story precisely because it's not about our work. It's not about us coming in and saving the world. It's about something that we thought was impossible, something this girl thought was impossible, something the family thought was impossible, and the impossible came to pass. And every act of love, every act of transformation, and every unexpected act of reunion and reconciliation, every act of the impossible, that is ascension. To believe in the story of ascension is to believe that we are empowered to bear witness. Not only this, but to believe in this story is to believe that God's kingdom is to come, and that we as humans are the ones blessed enough to bring it. Francis Nathan Pillebay writes of this passage. Jesus is saying, in essence, you cannot know the future, but you can make it. The Christian calling here is not to create a Christian nation. It's not to be right or left for that matter. It is not to be the smartest, the most politically correct, the most politically incorrect, the most conscientious. And this may be the hardest to say for me, but the Christian calling is not even about being the best of social justice. We will receive power and we will be witnesses. We bear witness by showing up. We gather as the community of Christ, embracing all, declaring. In the passing of the peace and the sharing of the Eucharist, perhaps the most powerful political statement of all. No matter who you are, no matter what you look like, no matter what you believe, you belong here with us. You belong with me, and I with you. We bear witness by going out into the world. As we hear the words of the dismissal, we go out to love and serve the Lord in peace. We go out to proclaim to all, especially the poor, the outcast, and the marginalized, you belong with me and I with you. We bear witness when we let the stories of God transform our lives. We inhabit these stories and let them add to our reality. If Jesus can ascend into heaven, if God can move in and through history, as recorded in the book of Acts, God can move in and through our history today. So, is the story true? At the end of the day, I can't tell you how to answer that question. Is the story true? All I can do is bear witness. I can point to the work that God has done and continues to do in our history. I can't say that I believe in the impossible.
I've seen it across the globe, and I've seen it here in this community of St. Peter's. May we be witnesses to God's work in history, and may God work through us and in us as we proclaim the good news of Christ.